Here we go. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Privacy Please. I am your host, Cameron Ivey, and with me, as always, Mr. Gabe Gums. Gabe, how you doing today? Doing all right. Happy Monday to you, sir. How Thanks for you? the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely Monday, um, but really really excited. We have a good show for you guys today. Um, very special guest. He is the head of privacy at Asserson. His name is Avi Ostrin. Avi, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely, we we're excited to have you and and just uh, excited to, to have a little chat. So, if you want to start things off, really simple, you can go ahead and just open the floor with telling us a little bit about yourself and. And let yeah. us get to know where you came from. Sure, sure. Happy to. So um, as you can probably hear from my accent, originally from the, the US of A, uh, Harrisburg, PA, to be exact. Um, and then at the age of seven, moved to Israel um, with my family. So grew up in Jerusalem, and which is where I, I live now. I went to law school here in Israel and trained as a, as a lawyer just uh, general doing general corporate commercial stuff like any um, any good young corporate lawyer dabbled in all different types of uh, of law and really found an affinity and and really fell in love with with privacy data protection data security um, and the reason that I found it so amazing and interesting and and cool such a cool space to be in is because it, it combines two areas that I'm extremely passionate about, which is technology and the law. And so I decided I wanted to pursue a career in privacy, looked around at the Israeli privacy scene, realized that wasn't exactly where I wanted to specialize, not exactly kind of the, the gold standard of, of, of privacy law. And so I found this firm in Israel called Asserson. It was a UK law firm that's based here in Israel. And I said to myself, well, you know, they got this thing they're talking about, GDPR. That seems like it could be a pretty big deal. So uh, might as well uh, go specialize in that. So I, I uh, joined Asserson, qualified as a lawyer in the UK as well. Uh, one exam wasn't enough. I had to do another one. And, uh, and then I, I started the privacy practice at Asserson. Um, and that's the practice that I had today. And uh, my what I do is I basically work with companies either in the UK or around the world, or mostly actually in Israel, companies that need to comply with, you know, we know that GDPR has this ex-territorial scope. So it encompasses any company or, or catches any company that deals with data of uh, EU citizens um, and so a lot of Israeli companies who do business there need to comply. And so that's where that's what I do. 
Um, and I have a team. I have one other lawyer that works with me and another consultant. Um, and that's what, what we do. The other thing that's very important to know about me is that I am a tormented, tormented New York Jets fan. Um, this season was just terrible. We don't even know how to lose right. So, Sorry about that, man. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I think you got a good coach, though. Yeah, yeah, no, good coach. I, I good, think that was a smart hire. Definitely, definitely. Um, I, I hope I don't offend any of your listeners by saying that I'm looking forward to seeing Tom Brady lose the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> but I assume by the time this comes out, that'll be, already be behind us. So I could, we'll, we'll see what happens. I would I, honestly like, I'm a, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. So I feel your pain with uh, Tom Brady's success in, in the AFC East. So he's in the NFC and he already has the same amount of titles as Drew Brees and all that's just one already in just one year in the Bucks. So I'm rooting for the Bucks because obviously they're we live in Tampa, so hard not to just it, go for it. them. But right. Brady Brady's I mean he's he's the goat. It's hard not to say he's not. Oh, he, listen, yeah, I, <laughs> I respect. I, listen, I respect. I respect him, and I will definitely be cheering Agreed. for him once he retires. But as a Jets fan, I just I can't while he's still playing. He'll be cheering for him to enter the Hall of Fame, but not <laughs> yeah, cheering yeah, for Yeah, I will. Yes. I honestly will. I will I will cast my vote yes. for Brady in the Hall of Fame. But he has to retire for that to happen. So that's fair. Anyway. Well, I think that's my son, if you can hear that. He must also be upset. A, a Brady fan? I guess he's upset about <laughs> him being a, about Avi being a Jets fan or something. That's what happens. That might have pushed him over the edge. Yeah, that's all right. That's how I feel about the Jets. So it's all good. That's funny. Well, anyways, <laughs> so why don't we talk about? I'm I'm curious because obviously you mentioned GDPR. Uh, we talked about that on the show previously with with um, other privacy law. By the way, let's not mess with the law. You don't mess with the law, and when it comes to privacy law, that's a whole that's a whole other like level, right? Definitely. Um, so what what's the what's the approach like compared to over in the U.S. and and over in Israel? What's what's the differences? Yeah, so so it's it's a, it's a great question. Um, I had a friend who who summed it up uh, to me recently, very very eloquently. I think he basically said. The approach to privacy in the EU is it's a basic human right, right? We all know that GDPR, basic human right, um, and, and that's GDPR's approach. The approach in the U.S. is very much from a consumer's perspective or from a patient perspective, right? We have these sectoral laws um, that deal with specific uh, with specific areas, and the approach in Israel is basically, if you sum it up, it's basically, we just don't want the Iranians getting our data, right? That's, that's what everyone's worried about. Um, and and it, ties, it ties in really nicely with, you know, what you guys talk about a lot, which is data security. There's a very, very heavy focus in Israel on data security. The, the law is very, very prescriptive in terms of how you need to secure data, segregating, you know, different sensitive types of data. If you have this type of data, you have to secure it in this way. If you have that type of data, you have to secure it in that way. So it's very, um, it's very security focused. Um, 
even though we do have, you know, Israel does have uh, it, the, the right to privacy is recognized as a constitutional right in Israel, um, but, but it's really focused very much on the security element of, um, you know, your privacy rights are, you have a right to have your data secured. That's, that's basically what it boils down to. And so that's kind of the, the way Israel, the way it's viewed in Israel. Um, but, you know, interestingly, you, you talked, we talked a, a minute ago about Israeli companies. Um, the, the interesting thing about Israel is that because it's such a small market, no one's, and, and Israel is known, uh, you may have heard this, this phrase before as the startup nation. I think we have the number one, if not only second to Silicon Valley, number of startups per capita in the world. And so it's very focused on startups, very focused on entrepreneurship and, you know, making tech, amazing tech products that we all know and that we all use. But Israel itself is a very, very small market. And so no one is building tech products, tech solutions for the Israeli market. And so in some ways, the Israeli law, while it does apply to kind of what the companies are doing while they're building their product, once they go out and market it, so if they market it in the U.S., they have to be compliant, you know, they have to think about U.S. law. And if they're going to Europe, they have to think about GDPR. And if they're going to Australia and New Zealand, they have to think about that law. So it's this interesting kind of mixture between complying with local law versus having to have that kind of global view and global um, uh, out, you know, outlook when you when as you're building your product to say, okay, th these are the markets we're going to go to. This is the relevant legislation we need to take into account. I knew a guy that fought the law once, but the law won. <laughs> <laughs> Insert corny laughs. Um, <laughs> you highlight something that I think a lot of us, especially U.S. Uh, citizens, don't think about. We tend to be, to be honest, a bit um, nationalistic sometimes in our in our view of things broader than us, technology in particular, but certainly laws, right? Like. The average U.S. citizen has barely heard of CCPA, much less um, GDPR, and certainly not uh, Israeli laws. But folks within our our circles um, talk a lot about it. However, even in all of our episodes, we really focus very heavily on EU laws and U.S. laws. And you've highlighted some things there that I thought were were interesting to, to touch on. Um, but tell me if I'm getting this wrong. My takeaway from that is that from a from a law perspective, Israel is taking kind of a a, uh, a privacy by design approach to not just what you're building, but what you're building for others. Is that, is that what I'm hearing there? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, it's not so much Israeli law that prescribes it. It's, it's, it's the, the, just kind of the prevailing culture. The, ju, ju, yeah. Just the way that, that things, you know, when I speak to companies in Israel, right. Um, Israeli law takes up a very small percentage of that conversation because what we what I always tell companies is listen if you're going to if you're going to design a product that you're going to market somewhere outside of Israel you got to think about other laws and other you know other in in the jurisdictions that you're going to go to market in and it's it's very unique because if you think about the other areas of law Right. If you think about a startup company 
you know, three founders, you know, they're, they're coding in their mom's basement. Um, and, and they're just, they're building this thing that they think is going to be the next Google, right? There's no other area of law that they need to say, okay, we need to think about this, not tomorrow, but like now we need to think about what data are we collecting? How we're using the data, how we're telling people what we do with their data, et cetera, et cetera. In Germany, Right? They don't care about German labor law or German contract law or German constitutional law, but they right. should very much care about German privacy law. Right. And so right. that's the you know that's the the thing that you see very often in in the Israeli tech ecosystem is talking about the different laws around the world and how they um, you know how, how they impact startups and tech companies here that are that are actually physically located even if they don't have an office anywhere else around the world yet mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that makes sense so i want to jump in here gabe um I, I have a couple questions but i don't know which one to start with let's go with the obvious with this past year covid how has that changed the outlook or the the layout um, in Israel when it comes to GDPR, when it comes to privacy, has anything changed? Has it gotten more serious? Has it, I mean, what, what are the differences um, since this past year? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a, it's a great question. I think that in, in Israel as, as in, ev as everywhere else around the world, um, you know, the, the workplace has moved to the home. And everyone's working remotely now, um, but I think, I think in in addition to to that, to you know, just to the fact, to the way the companies are working, which I don't think is is very different. Um, I think that there are. I've spoken to a number of entrepreneurs who have realized that the, that health tech might be the next uh, the next thing. And so what they're starting to think about, you know, this is classic Israeli mentality, right? Think or, or tech mentality, I should really say startup entrepreneur mentality is what's going to be the next thing. What's going to be the next trend? Where is the, where's the next innovation going and, and what's the next big thing? Um, and I think the, the, the whole pandemic has made um, health tech solutions a lot more appealing to investors and to consumers. And so I think from, you know, in, in Israel, there's a lot of, there's a lot of buzz around health tech companies. And I think we're going to see a, a number of those coming out of, you know, big ones coming out of Israel in the, in the, in the coming months, years. But I think that's been one interesting um, impact, indirect impact of COVID in Israel. On another side, so like, I'm curious the differences from Israel and then the U.S. Has there been any impact from CCPA and everything coming out from the U.S. side? Has that been impacting GDPR and Israel and everything like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this goes back to what we were talking about before. Um, there, you know, the, in Israel, there really only are two major options when you're building a, a tech solution. So there's there's Europe and there's the US. And it's it was clear to everyone when CCPA and now and now CPRA 
uh, were were enacted that it was it was going to directly impact how companies view um, global privacy compliance. Um, and I think the the interest, I mean, the conversations that people were having here, which I think were similar to the conversations that were happening, you know, all around the world, but especially in a country that relies so heavily on um, exporting its technology were, okay, we did a GDPR exercise two years ago or three years ago when it came into effect. What are the what are the margins that we need to now, what are the tweaks that we need to do in order to make sure we're CCPA compliant and now CPRA? And, you know, the same thing happened, by the way, with the Brazilian, the new Brazilian law and the, you know, the New Zealand law and the Indian law, the people who were selling to those markets said, okay, you know, the consensus was, okay, we've done GDPR. Just, just tell it all we need to know now is, what are the what are the what are the major differences? Let's you know let's cover off those points, um, and that's very much the the view that kind of people take uh, that that I've seen my clients take here in Israel. It's just kind of show show us where the where the different where the major differences are, and let's get those covered. Yeah, I like to get pretty personal on this show, I've and noticed. you. <laughs> Um, you said that uh, you became really passionate about uh, privacy and so tech and privacy and law, and, and you wanted to put those together. Where does that stem from? Where does that go back to? What what kind of triggers that that um, that type of uh, you know love for something? Because obviously you got to have some kind of a passion, and privacy doesn't seem to trigger with everybody, especially tech and privacy, and it's starting to turn that way. Um, to people that aren't even in the industry. So what what exactly made you turn your head to go, I got to jump on this? Yeah, I feel like I should lie down on my couch here for a second. You're, uh, <laughs> you're diving deep, Cam, you're diving deep. Hey, whatever you need, man. From what intelligence has gathered, it would be 9-11 times 100. 9-11 times 100? Jesus, that's... Yes, 91,100. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 really interesting. I, you know, I um, it's hard to say when you have a passion for something why you have. It's hard to pinpoint why exactly you have a passion for it. But you know, I like to say that I am the um, the biggest tech geek that you can get without actually having gone and studied, you know, computer science or engineering or something like that. Um, I also have. Uh, you know, I'm 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 very passionate about you know the the law and just kind of how our society is structured and and kind of the the um, the things that kind of make our culture and our society work. I guess that that that's the only the only way I guess I could put it. Um, and the the interesting thing to me the, the way i view privacy is it's or, or, or data data protection whatever you want to call it cybersecurity is it's this road that goes you know that that you that you have to that goes between the law and the technology so um, they often te- technological innovation and the law don't always jive with each other and you need to, you know, I see my role as a privacy professional 
and other you know people who call themselves privacy professionals, security professionals, um, as kind of bridging that gap and making technology work within the framework of what we've decided is acceptable to do with people's with people's data. And so that's that's where I see it, and that's kind of why I have a I have a passion for it. I really do, and um, I hope other people do as well. <laughs> There's plenty of them, man, and I think you uh, you joined a a tight knit family. That's for sure. We talk about it all the time. Privacy professionals are um, special, and they're all about uh, learning from each other and and just trying to build that community. To yeah, for sure. Getting the word sure. out. The other, the other thing that's that I find so so interesting, you know, from a lawyer's perspective, it's you can't, there's no other area of law. You can't practice any other area of law that would touch on so many different elements and components. So privacy, privacy has, you know, it's human rights law, employment, um, you know, technology, you know, all these areas that you you know, where, where else do you get such an amazing variety? You know, the, the buffet of, of law is, is privacy. You can go and choose, pick and choose from, from different things. And you need to, one, one day you're wearing your, you know, your employment hat. And one day you're wearing your, uh, you know, your, your customer, your, your consumer rights law hat. And, you know, as a lawyer, it's really such a big, uh, and an amazing challenge and privilege to be able to juggle all those things. And you have, you have to have an amazing, you know, a, a really deep knowledge of different areas um, and how they interplay with the technology. Because at the end of the day, you have a company that's trying to build a product that, you know, they, they, they may care, they do care, but they just want to get to an answer, a solution uh, to a practical one. And so I, I find that um, that challenge fascinating and really, really interesting. I want to back up a bit and, and I want to, we're going to stay personal for a minute and, and talk a bit about um, yourself, Bobby, and how, how privacy has impacted you personally. You mentioned something that I think really stands out, at least for me, if not for our listeners. You know, we think a lot about nation state actors as well, but your nation state concerns are what I might call hyper-concentrated for some very obvious geopolitical reasons. Uh, is that one of the ways that it's very personal for you? And what, what are some of the other ways that that privacy is, is extremely personal for yourself and others like you? Yeah, I think, um, I think you, you know, you really, you really hit the, hit the nail on the head there, uh, Gabe, because um, you know, it's Israel is in a, is in a very, um, precarious situation we as you said from a geopolitical perspective and um the the way that you know the threats that we face uh, on a you know on a daily basis can be in the physical realm but can also be in the cyber realm and um the it's 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 very you know we feel it kind of on a daily basis talked about here um, and so I definitely, I definitely agree that that's kind of a something that you feel here. It's really palpable when you, 
you know, when you go out and you speak to people and, and, and they really care about um, making sure that they're protected and their family is protected. Um, the interesting thing that I find in, in Israel today is that I feel that there's a little bit of a, an, a, a change, a shift in the way people are, are viewing it. And they're seeing, they're seeing not just, uh, they're caring, I guess I should say, not just about, um, you know, that your data doesn't get to the Iranians as it were, so they can, you know, do nefarious things with it, but also really a deep concern about what, uh, you know, how, how we live our digital life. So I'll just give one, um, very brief example. Um, a couple of a couple of weeks ago, the Israeli government uh, signed a deal with Pfizer um, that you know, uh, as you guys know, Israel is leading the leading the way in the vaccination efforts for against COVID. Um, I actually have an appointment for mine tomorrow. Very exciting. Nice. Um, and uh, so. Um, and but but one of the things that the Israeli prime minister did a couple of weeks ago is he signed a deal with Pfizer to because Pfizer wants to study, use Israel as a case study and receive some health data from the HMOs uh, to, you know, to be able to study the efficacy of the of the vaccine and, and you know, all the, the information around that. And my personal view is that. A few years ago, if that happened, no one would have batted an eyelash. An eyelash. They, they wouldn't have said anything about it. And it received such a public outcry here in Israel that these, you know, in, in a couple of weeks ago, that I think we're, you know, we're seeing the, the beginnings of people starting to think about, hey, you know, this, this stuff really matters. It really has an implication on me. And not just from a security sense, not just from like the Iranians will get a hold of my data, but from a, you know, a, a, a personal, a personal data. This stuff is personal. It's about me. And if you want to use it in a certain way, then, you know, you better ask for my permission to do that. And um, we're still not there yet. Don't get me wrong. We still have a long way to go. But uh, but I think the, the 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 change that you see in. Israeli society is kind of it's it's moving in that direction, which is, in my view, is positive. It's positive because if it changes there, it does a kind of an effect in, into the U.S. and it'll help yeah. change there as well. Definitely, yeah. because because at the end of the day, the the people who are think think about it this way: if I if I grew if I grew up in Israel. Right. I, I have no connection to the U.S. Or, or Europe or anything. I grow up in a country and I go to school here. I may, maybe I study computer science and then I decide to, you know, I, I serve in the army in one of the elite units. I, I study computer science at university and then I decide to start my own startup that becomes next Google. Right. The the way I was educated to think about my digital footprint and my data online is going to have a direct impact on how I think about privacy in my company. And so, you know, this is, I, I, I tell people that anyone who's willing to listen, I'll, I'll, I'll tell this is that I think that 
a country's privacy culture has a lot of impact on the way you know the technology and the the way people view it and and then indirectly on the technology that comes out of that country and once you have a country that's exporting all of this technology all around the world then if you have a strong privacy privacy culture in that country um, then that you know seeps into the technology that they're building and so i think it has you know it's 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 a uh, it's an effect that will take a few years um, but hopefully we'll see it down the line. Agreed. And what's that song? Um, how does it go? Tech rules all everything around me. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I might've changed the lyrics a little bit, but uh, that's exactly it. Copyright. Copywritten. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this, this could be a fun question for you because you're not, you're not on the technical side, but it would be interesting to get your, your, point of view on what you might do just first thought. So if you had a very, let's just say you started a company or you just joined a company as, as the head of privacy and security, whatever. If you only had a small budget of a hundred dollars, whopping hundred dollars, where would you start with your data security and privacy efforts? What do you think you would do? I have to confess, Cam and Gabe, I'm I'm a fan of the show. I've heard most of your episodes. I you 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 can't have expected to catch me off guard with that question because That's you true. <laughs> all the episodes. You if there was one question I was gonna prepare for, it was the hundred dollar question. You no, just, it's now fifty dollars. All right, now you're now you're blowing it up. Budget budgets and- have been slashed. <laughs> Oh, no. oh, this better be a good answer because you're blowing it up. You're yeah, well prepared. It's it's drying up. It's right. No, I, I'm 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 joking. Of course, I, I did <laughs> think about this a little bit. Um, I did think about it, but so so here's here's what I would do. Okay, this this is this is what I've come up with. Interested to hear your thoughts. So the first thing I do, I send an email to the CEO's assistant, and I say. I need 15 minutes with the CEO. Um, I probably get ignored the first time and the second time and the third time. But by the fourth email, when they realize that I'm not going away, they'll be like, all right, let's give this guy 15 minutes, right? So I get my 15 minutes and I go into and I sit down with the CEO and let's pretend this company sells, I don't know, toilet paper, right? Um, I sit down with the CEO and I say to her, listen, I'm going to explain to you in 15 minutes why caring and implementing privacy and security in your company is going to help you sell more toilet paper, better toilet paper, more effective toilet paper, and it's just going to be transformative for your business. Um, now, I think uh, hopefully I'll do a good enough job convincing her of that. Um, and then uh, with the $100 or $50, uh, whatever you've left me with, I take the rest of the company out. And I think, you know, I, I really, really believe this uh, kind of in my, in my core is that once you have buy-in from the top, 
the stuff, you know, the proverbial stuff happens, right? It gets done. It happens because, and, and, and the only way to get buy-in is to explain to, you know, to the C-suite, guys, it's not about the law. It's not about the fines. I hate talking about the fines. It's not about, um, you know, uh, about the lawsuits. It's about you will have a better company and you will have more customers and you will have more investors if you take this stuff seriously. And so, you know, and so I think that is the, that's the way to get buy-in from the top. And once you've gotten buy-in from the top, then um, you can use that $100 for pizza. I think you can probably buy the company pizza for $100. I think that's a good budget. You can, you can get good pizza, really good pizza at $100. I mean. <laughs> Depends how many employees you have, but yeah. It does depend on how many employees you have. That's true. It's true. <laughs> Everyone can get a little piece of pepperoni or something. I like that answer. That is a solid answer. I don't think we've actually heard that one before, which is um, influence, right? And uh, and starting from from the top down. So culture. That's a solid one. Yeah. I, that's what that I means no there too. To retire this question until we've exhausted every possible answer <laughs> that is out there. Um, we've gotten some amazing answers and maybe only once <laughs> or twice has it been repeated. So good for yeah. you for doing your homework. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That was great. Again, I think that goes behind what you were saying. I think it just, it builds a stronger culture for internal employees, but also outside the company. So you yep. will sell more because you show just like, I mean, as an example, hate, hate doing it, but uh, Apple kind of gives that feed off, like where they have these commercials about privacy and you get the little commercial where it has the little Apple with the lock and it just yeah. says privacy, you know, like stuff like that, little things showing that that is their, that is their forefront. We are a privacy company. We are all about protecting your privacy. It's huge. It goes a long way and it's only going to get stronger and stronger the way things are going nowadays. Yeah, so hundred percent. And I've had, I, you know, I'm glad you, you raised that Apple example because I think it's an amazing example of kind of raising awareness, right? I've gotten into conversations mostly on LinkedIn with people when I've posted about the Apple stuff, you know, they had their, um, the, uh, what do they call them? The nutrition labels, the privacy nutrition yeah, labels. Yeah, 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 recently, yeah. And they have these commercials. And, you know, whenever I post something about it, people are like, oh yeah, but they're, you know, big bad tech and they're out to get, blah, 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 blah. and, you know, for me, it's, it almost doesn't matter. Like, I don't, you know, they're, they're only doing it for the profits. Good, great. If they feel that that, you know, is good for their bottom line and that aligns with their, with, with what they're, what they believe in as a company. That's amazing. That means we've achieved at least with one major tech company, the realization that privacy is good for the bottom line, which is fantastic. That is some, I, you know, I, I, that's worth repeating again, which is we've gotten to a state where we have incentivized organizations to do the right thing with our data because we know that they are not altruistic by their nature. And so there, some incentive is required. And, and you're right. There are a lot of, of folks that look at that kind of skeptically and think, yeah, but now it's because they're making money. It's like, well, sure, because that's what they do. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. But they're that's doing it the right way. Job. Yeah. Like if you were an Apple shareholder, you would want them to continue to make money. Yeah. That that incentivization, I think, is a positive thing. So I think it is worth highlighting a bit more. 
Yeah. And Gabe, I might be stepping out of my, out of my lane here, but going back, I mean, Apple's been, I mean, they've been that way for years, right? I mean, just, they've always been about keeping things protected and, and just like a little bit less of an open source, like Microsoft in a sense, yeah, not throwing, just, not throwing stuff. <laughs> but, what you're describing is an unintentional benefit of some of their walled garden policies, right? I um, mean, some of that did lend itself fairly well to, uh, to, to privacy practices. Yeah. Some of it did not. I'd say it's in the last, uh, you know, two, three years, maybe slightly more that Apple's really leaned into it just a bit more. Um, but it is nonetheless good to to watch a, a multinational billion dollar organization um, be incentivized to mm-hmm. do so and not just doing so because they think it's the right thing to do, which could change at the at the whim of a CEO changing or, you know, the tech breeze blowing. But when they're incentivized to do it, they will continue to do so. So that that's a very positive thing. And if you think about it, just like your example, Avi, when you're talking about you got to get the CEO involved, you got to get him to believe. That's the same with someone like Apple. They're one of the biggest companies in the world. If they that's their forefront, other other companies follow. Definitely. Just the way it is. Yeah, for sure. That's very true. Um, all right. So a couple more questions here. Um, let's see. I'm gonna edit this out because I don't want to look like I'm reading stuff. <laughs> or do I? I might not edit it out because I might forget about this. You know, so here's the thing, Cam, it's, uh, it's a podcast. No one can see you reading this stuff. <laughs> it's so true. Until I say it. Right. Now. Until I say it. Now okay. they all know you're, you're wow. reading this. Yeah, you yeah. could just say, you could just give a, 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 a like a, a thoughtful, hmm, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, if they think that I come up with these outstanding questions at the top of my head, then I will just take that and run with it. Um, <laughs> so what, what do you, th- what do you, before we go to our fun section, um, mm. what, what do you see the future of privacy going to, or what do you hope it, it, it is going to in a sense? Yeah. Wow. That's a, it's a full question. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, your, uh, utopian world. Um, listen, I think that I don't know what it's going to be and what it's going to take to get there. But I think that eventually we will get to some sort of equilibrium when it comes to how we need to treat data and um, what's the correct way of approaching people's data. Um, I think these fights between, you know, the, the 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 EU and the US, the invalid, you know, the Schrems II invalidation of privacy shield and the, you know, these these um the data transfers and uh, you know and, and the UK adequacy and all these things, they're the way I see them, they're like they're growing pains. And we're we're going to get to a, I hope we're going to get to a position, hopefully not in the too distant future, where we we know and we understand that these are the basic standards and these are the um, acceptable things that we that we that we allow companies, organizations, governments to do with our data. Um, 
I think that, you know, we, we've gotten there, for example, with, uh, at least in the Western world, with things like human rights, right? So there's a general consensus. We, we may have differences here or there. Uh, we may, you know, have, have, uh, have differences of opinions on, this, on, the, on the more minor points. And I'm, by the way, I'm not talking about, you know, there, there are countries that obviously still need to do a lot of work on human rights issues, but at least in the, in the Western democracies, we have a consensus around kind of the, the basic rights that human beings have. And, uh, and I think that eventually we'll get to a position, or I hope we get to a position where those rights will apply to our digital selves as well. Um, and it, it won't matter if you are in the US or the EU or the UK or Israel or Australia, these, you know, these are the, this is the consensus. Um, I don't know if it's going to come out of a specific nation. Um, we've seen, we're seeing um, different laws pop up in different countries that are very, you know, very much resemble GDPR. So maybe those are the basic concepts. So we mentioned CCPA, we mentioned LGPD in, in Brazil, we mentioned the India bill, we mentioned the the Canadian, the new Canadian bill, um, and, and New Zealand, and all these different countries, even African countries as well, we're seeing some, some GDPR-like concepts there. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I, I hope and I think, I think and I hope that we're kind of heading in that type of consensus direction. And, you know, it would, it would make our lives as privacy pros, um, much easier. We may not, uh, not, not generate as much business, but, you know, as, as people, you know, as privacy pros, we also care. It's not just about making, making the buck and giving the advice. It's also because we really care and, and we want to see people's data treated in the right way. And so I think, um, I'm hoping that that's where we get to however long that takes. Right. There has been a very short but steep ramp from the world having little to no data privacy protections codified in law across yep. the planet to just an absolute influx of those, uh, again, from country to country, regardless of the, the type of, of governing systems they have, uh, you know, democracies in general and, and, and those that are, are akin to it seem to be taking this quite seriously, aren't they? Um, I can't yeah. think of some other some other area of our lives where you know we've seen the same types of protections come to bear quite that fast across the planet. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think it's also inevitable because as we know, um, you know, data doesn't really respect national borders. Oh, it like the, the, the notion <laughs> that you will have data in a certain location and you know, especially as technology evolves, like what does it mean to, to have data in a, in a specific country? Is that where the server's located? Is that where I'm accessing it from? Is that what, like, what does that even mean? And so, you know, it's almost inevitable because of the nature of how technology is evolving and how data is evolving um, that, that, that we have some sort of unified approach to how to, how to use that data. And how to, you know, and, and what we can do with it and what we can't do with it. 
So I, you know, I, I, at least I hope that's the, the, um, you know, the, the trajectory because the alternative is, it's not palatable. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, it's just like, you know, if you go back, um, it's like, you can't take away what you put up on MySpace when it first came out, especially, I don't even know if it was out then. Maybe it was when first Facebook first came out when, I know you were already doing it, Gabe. Probably hashtag yellow. That's never going away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am I am quite different in that this has been something I've been thinking about for a long time. So I'm not a good example of, of that. I've, I've long avoided um, putting things into the pool because I understand that when you add other liquids to the pool, you don't just get to take them out of the pool whenever you want to. Um, Fortunately that's for myself, it's, it's a concept I've understood for a while, and and that's why, that's why we try to educate folks on that very concept now. Good point, because um, there's no there's no removing it from the pool once you put it in there. Right, that's especially a yeah, especially for younger generations, oh, they don't they don't even think about that. I didn't think about that when I, I was feel so bad for them. You shouldn't have to think about that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Actually, young, 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 younger generation is you, you raise an interesting point. I was having a conversation with, with someone the other day who said to me, like, young people, you know, young people don't care about their, their privacy. They just care about like the next trend and, and, you know, putting a video on TikTok and whatever. And I, I don't actually think, you know, I, I think, it, I think it's, it, I think they just, they care about it in a different way, meaning they, 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 they do care about it. It is something that's in the, the public discourse now. And, and they do very much understand that, you know, they need to protect their digital selves as much as they need to protect their physical selves. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I assume you and, and all your listeners have probably seen The Social Dilemma on Netflix, which is a great example of how you know, we have given ourselves to these um, social media giants and their algorithms. Um, and, and I think, I think young people are, are very aware of, of that. Um, and, you know, I, it, it'll be interesting to see when, you know, the people who are like teenagers today, when they become professionals, what their view of, how their digital data should be treated will be, you know, will it be similar to ours or are we the already these like dinosaurs who think in terms of, a, you know, the data sitting in Florida versus Texas, you know, which is a, yeah. a such an antiquated way of, of thinking of things. But If we do the right thing by them, we won't leave them with a data security problem to clean up. Exactly. Um, that, that would be nice. You know, they could just kind of exist in a world where we may have done the right thing by subsequent generations, but history you know, holds. Not that bad. brings another good point though. Like I'm, as I'm thinking about it, like TikTok, all the video stuff, like everybody nowadays, that younger generation, even the older generation, um, that's all they do is post random videos, all these weird dance things, all these things that you might look back on 20 years and go, Ooh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but, but does that, does that spark like a, a privacy concern in the future? Like videos like that being, um, being a privacy issue. Is that something Gabe, or is that just like, 
think it's always something to consider because his you know, the law of unintended consequences certainly suggests that. I don't know how that data is going to be used in the future. Right. right? Like I can extrapolate and tell you that you know I'm gonna. I'm going to be at risk of those videos serving as frameworks for deep fakes that will recreate me in any number. Like, I don't know, but you know, maybe we move to some kind of decentralized identification system that uses some next generation of, 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 uh, of fingerprinting where it fingerprints my gait and my, my eye movements versus just my, you know, the patterns of my thumb. I don't know. The law of intent consequences tells me that I should probably assume that I don't know what's going to happen to that data and treat it as such. Like if I don't know what's going to happen, if I left the top down on, on my, my convertible, then maybe, maybe I don't leave the top down because I don't know what's going to happen to it. Like who knows? A squirrel could just decide to jump in there and uh, nah, now it's his convertible. P.S. I don't own a convertible. I don't know why I'm saying that. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. That's my point. But do you own the squirrel? Well, I mean, so long as I keep supplying them with peanuts. There you go. As soon acorns, as that stops, acorns, then, uh, yeah. they will turn on me indeed. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. Well, I appreciate that. That's That's a lot that you can unpack there. I mean, we could talk about that for hours um all right fun section we'll start off with um fixing your life it's a new segment we try um is there anything in your life right now that gabe and i can give you advice on help you with anything at all we're here to answer we're here to suggest suggest wow wow that's a free therapy session no, I, I, yeah, I was going to say, I need to go back to the couch now. Now's the, now's the time when I go back to the couch. Um, wow. Um, it could be something very small. Yeah, I mean, if you could listen, we're all in, we're all experiencing lockdown now. So if you guys want to come babysit my kids, that would be amazing. I think the tickets are a little expensive. And to be honest, they've closed the airports here in Israel. So you'd have trouble getting in, but listen, I'm willing to do, I'm willing to pay a lot of money. No, I'm just kidding. I got um, you. I mean, I got your suggestion here. What do you, uh, how, what are the ages? Uh, six, three and one. Ooh. All right. Um, you can go ahead and just put on YouTube. Yeah. Um, have you heard of Blippy? Yeah, of course. There you go. That's yeah, a couple look, hours taken. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Very <laughs> true. Okay. Babysitting um, <laughs> yeah, don't leave them to me. Yeah. I have a I have almost two year old, but yeah. That's the only reason why I, I, I would take you up on that. Like you've got beautiful beaches and a vaccine. I would take you up on that, right? There you go. Like, there like, you go. Gabe's I already would, here, man. Gabe's I, already yeah, on no, his my way. Bags are his his bags bags packed. packed. <laughs> He's on his way. Wow, yes. this is uh this is a, a, a really interesting question. I, um, I mean, I guess I'll tell you what, what would be interesting for me to know from you guys is, so I'm a privacy lawyer, right? I, I grew up, I, I, I studied the law and I've come to realize that, um, that I need, in order to be a good privacy professional, like in, in my professional life, I need to have a good solid understanding of like the technological aspects of privacy law, right? So IT, cybersecurity, you know, all that stuff. So 
I would like to know what your number one go-to resource is for me to like, I just wanna, I wanna immerse myself in that stuff and get like super knowledgeable. So what's your, what's your go-to for that? I might have a few, Gabe, unless you have no, one. Fire. But... You, you're up, you're up, fire away. <clears throat> so I don't know, you, you said you're a pretty big fan. We've had some good guests on that I think you can learn from. But one that I could suggest, and this is a shameless plug from Spirion, is Scott Giordano. Shout out I to think, Scott. Yes, shout out to Scott. <laughs> Can I, Scott, have, do you, are you familiar with Scott Giordano? No. No, I mean, I, I know you guys did an episode with him, but yeah. No, I think I think connecting you with him would be super yeah. beneficial for you. Um, we will make a personal email introduction to Scott. That's amazing. I would yes, love yes. that. So Scott is our our privacy attorney, um, and I mean he's among many other things. But did I get that right, Gabe? Do I have his title right? Because I might have it wrong. Uh, I forget the official title. However, yes, Scott is our resident expert on connecting the dots between law and technology. Amazing. Um, and yeah, he he can definitely help you with that. And uh, and he's super passionate. He is super passionate about this. Super passionate about this. Um, for our listeners, because we can't yep. can't scale Scott quite to that level. I, I'll <laughs> add to that though, which is um, Future of Privacy Forums, a good place. They spend some time digging in that. The IPP is obviously a very good resource for that. But I might even suggest that kind of on your own, a little bit of self study, if you would, is spend a little bit more time in problem space. That's a that's an answer I give to a lot of things, but here's what I mean by that. Spend a bit more time understanding the problems that are affecting the individuals who's who, who that law impacts. Forget about the technology for a second. Spend just a little bit more time understanding the the problem on, on that very human level and then start researching the solutions to that problem. You'll kind of find your way backwards to the technology. Your question is a good one, but a little bit challenging largely because in the last I don't know, let's call it three to five years, we've seen, again, a hockey stick explosion in the number of privacy technology companies that have entered the market. I've got a couple of slides that I use for some some internal presentations that kind of really highlights the the growth of that. Um, And we're talking several hundred new privacy technology companies in the span of a few short years, including, um, as you've mentioned, you know, Israel has been responsible for a a calculable percentage of those. Yeah. Um, A calculable percentage of those. Uh, no, No two ways about it. And so, Trying to just wage your way through that is going to be challenging at first. Understanding what it is, the, what, what the problems are they're trying to solve, and then working your way back to the technology might lead you a little closer to what you're looking for. But in the interim, we'll definitely get you connected with Scott. We'll, we'll get you a one, one-on-one introduction, and you can pick his brain. That's amazing. That's awesome. Great. There it is. Job done. Great stuff. I love it. <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump. Uh, into the fun questions and get real personal already. I want to know what's going on in Israel. Obviously, you probably heard this question. What is the TP situation like over there? Where are you over or under when it comes to putting it on the roll? Ooh, that's a, yeah, I think, uh, I, I don't know that I can, I don't know that I can generalize for my country, men and women on, on such a large scale. I can tell you, I'm definitely an over guy. Um, definitely, like without any question. Um, <laughs> we'll, my, put a, we'll put we'll put an applause in there. 
Yeah, my my kids are are like ambivalent about it, and it drives me insane. It drives me insane. The other one is leaving an uh, an empty TP roll on the on the little on the thing on the holder. Can't do that. That's no. like. You know what you do when the kids start yelling from the bathroom for you because it's empty. You just let them yell yeah. for a little longer. Yeah, yell, let them yell. Hundred percent. That'll teach them. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, do you have any weird superstitions? Um, superstitions. No, I well, I I, sh- I should because I'm a football fan, so I really should have like socks that I wear every game or stuff like that. No. Um, no, I don't, I don't have any, um, any superstitions, but I might steal the superstition question and, and go to a pet peeve. Cause I do have a very, very specific pet peeve. That works too. Me insane. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna usurp that question and go and go into the pet peeve one. Um, I have the my pet peeve is well when when back when you can go could go out to restaurants you can't do that anymore. Hopefully you will be able to again in the future. But you sit down at the restaurant and the waiter or waitress comes over to get your order, and you give them your order, and they don't write it down. That drives me insane because okay one of two things is going to happen right either you're going to get your your food and it's wrong there's definitely going to be a mistake or they're going to come back like three minutes later and go you wanted the (laughs) salmon right and it just it drives me crazy and my wife knows it and every time we go to the restaurant she'll she'll like we'll be giving the order (laughs) <laughs> and she'll say to the waiter or waitress, she'll say to them, you know, you should probably write this down. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 we got it. And she's like, no, 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 no write it down. down. I know my husband. You're going to want to, anyway. Uh, yeah, it's you. a weird one, but. Yeah, I don't think it's weird. It's fair. It, it gives me anxiety is what it does. It gives me, <laughs> it does. Go. It gives me, and I get it. They are true professionals, but it yeah, gives totally. me a lot of anxiety. Like, are you, are you, sh- are you sure you don't want to? <laughs> Just also, do because, also because like I know for myself I have such a terrible memory like someone can say something to me and two seconds later I am completely forgetful you know I, I forgot that they even spoke to me so the notion that someone would say something to you that you need to remember but you wouldn't write it down is just so foreign to me that anyway <laughs> they'll just go yeah, I got it right, got it right there. Right there. I got it right there. Abby. I don't think the podcast listeners could see Cam yeah, pointing at right. his, his temple. Yeah. Well, some things we need to keep to the video and keep it. There right. you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm coming back for more. This is good. If you could be invisible for one day, what would you do? Whew, invisible for one day. First thing that comes to mind. Yeah, I would definitely surprise my, I would, I mean, again, you can't travel now, but if you could travel, 
I would go and surprise my grandparents who live in New York and I haven't seen in so long. I guess you, I wouldn't need to be invisible for that because I could just go and show no, up. Yeah, but I, I mean, like... you would scare them to death if you just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Hey! Uh, 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 but yeah, what uh, what would I do if I would be... Maybe I would, um, I don't know. I, I find it really fascinating, like uh, people watching, just like watching oh, what yeah. people are doing. And it's like, it's really creepy if you're just staring at people. But if you're invisible, then they wouldn't. Right. They wouldn't, I don't know if that's weird or not, but you know. No, what? Disney's Whatever. really good for people watching. I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your favorite snack? Go to. Okay, I have, I have a, I, I absolutely love chocolate and mint, the combination, okay, in anything. So mint chocolate chip ice cream, there hasn't been a better ice cream since mint chocolate chip ice cream. And uh, there is a, there's a chocolate, uh, there's a chocolate that they make in the UK called Bendix and what it is is it's bittersweet chocolate with a very 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 like sharp mint on the inside if you know if anyone knows like after eight it's like a version of after eight but like much 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 sharper mint and on a Friday night after dinner a Bendix and like a little tiny glass of scotch that's like and it's not not exactly a snack, but it's a treat. You know, it's a yeah it's a treat at the end of a long week. That's uh, that's 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 all I need. Nice, something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, if you could sit next to anyone on a plane, who would it be? Like anyone dead or alive? Are we doing sure. like anyone in history? Yeah, if you could sit next to anyone on a plane, who would you choose? Do not say Charles Limbaugh. <laughs> I think. Oh, interesting. I think it would probably have to be Stephen Hawking. I find him or found him to be wow. such a fascinating person that's done like just like unbelievable stuff. Um, Bill Gates would be a very close second uh, for sure. I'm like really like since he talked about this like pandemic and basically basically was you know said it was going to happen. Uh, I'm really I'm 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 worried but interested to see what the next chapter is. And I think he probably has the answer. One of them has the answer for sure. Great, great answers. Those, those are good awesome. Choices. Well, I, again, I just want to thank you, Avi, for coming on the show, taking the time to to be with us and sharing your views and your passion and your new adventure. I mean, <clears throat> it's great. And we're, we're happy to have you on the show and, and part of the, the community. And again, we'll get you Scott's information to connect you guys. I think you'll really enjoy him um, and his, and his passion and insight uh, in the industry. And as a, another uh, lawyer, um, but yeah, thank you so much for what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. And, Thanks. Much and, appreciated. Uh, yeah, and, and stay safe with you and the family over there. Um, and just uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. 
Thanks very much, guys. This was, I had a, an amazing, amazing time chatting with you guys. And uh, I hope, uh, you know, I hope you guys are all, all, are all well and everyone stays healthy and safe. And, um, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to meeting everyone in person. Yeah, for sure. That's that is next on the list is a uh, privacy please in person podcast for you oh. tour. Yeah, Do a tour. Take this amazing. <laughs> Listen, any any privacy please listener is an open invitation to your audience. Anyone who finds themselves wandering over to this side of the world, definitely uh, you know, look me up. I'm more than happy to you know, give you, give you the tips, the insider knowledge that you need in order to properly tour this wonderful country. So we noted, I might awesome. take you up on that the second these yeah. restrictions lift. So stay tuned. Yeah. Looking <laughs> awesome. forward. All right. Thanks well, guys. A pleasure, Avi. Thank you so much again. We'll talk soon. Thanks guys. Cheers. Cheers. I just wanted to thank all of you out there for tuning in each and every week. And to all of our amazing guests for coming on, I know that there are millions of other shows and it means the world to have you with us on this journey. We are so grateful that you choose to listen to us each and every week. If you like the show, tell a friend, have them tell their friends, and then make maybe make some new friends along the way uh, so we can continue to spread the word and keep learning together. Let's protect what matters most. And by the way, DJ, can you go ahead and drop that outro beat and keep it classy? We'll see y'all next week.